For you have been called for this purpose, to follow in His steps. This has been our worship theme over the last weeks. We understand that the context of this passage in 1 Peter 2 is in the context of the suffering of Christ on the cross. His sacrificial love that led Him to die for you and for me. Likewise, those who would claim to be followers of Christ are those who have also been called for this purpose to follow in His steps. Some of you have taken the invitation to read Charles Sheldon's In His Steps, written at the end of the 19th century to address what he considered an anemic Christianity, a a Christianity that for him just was not fulfilling. It was as if it lacked something, a, a Christianity that was about the inner person with no consequences, no repercussions for the way we lived. And so in this book, in this fictional novel, Sheldon begins to ask the question, well, well, what would Jesus do? And, and as Christ followers, what should we do? How should we live our lives? Again, written at the end of the 19th century, Sheldon tackled the social issues of his day and developed storylines of characters as they considered what it would look like to follow Christ through their lives, through their professions, their service, and even their financial resources. Likewise, over these last weeks, I I feel like we have tackled a few difficult social issues as well. Human trafficking, the, the crisis among our children, and how we should respond dare we say, how we should love our enemies. So this morning as we conclude our series, we do not conclude our quest, our commitment to walk in the steps of Jesus. Again, today's Valentine's Day, so could it be that love holds the key to a life of faithful obedience and walking in the steps of Jesus, doing the things that Jesus would do today. Maybe some of you have received your box of candy hearts already. Uh, Maybe some have yet to give their box of candy hearts. How many have received ever in your life a box of candy hearts? With the little messages. See, this, this is almost universal. They were developed and created in 1860. So I suspect all of us have received a box of candy hearts. Again, the first boxes were made in 1860. They, I guess they didn't have the technology to put the little message on the little candy at that time. And so the, the messages were tucked inside the box. Now, today's messages would be something along the lines of soulmate. If you haven't had a box of these candied hearts lately, uh, you might be surprised to find the tweet me in a box of candy hearts. 
some of you might be more familiar with words like or phrases like cool cat or puppy love or be my hero or stir my heart or even better, melt my heart. I'm sure we all have our favorite saying, but I want to go back to that 1860 first box of candy hearts. One of the notes that was stuck inside, I'm sure, y'all need to write this down, guys, okay? Please send a lock of hair by return mail. (laughs) Only on Valentine's Day. (laughs) But surely, romantic love is not the, the key to the strength and the power and the insight of walking in the steps of Christ. It is a love that goes much deeper. It's a love that I want to describe today as an excellent love. A love beyond which nothing surpasses. Paul simply puts at the end of this beautiful 1 Corinthians 13 love chapter, as it's often called, he says, the greatest of faith and of hope and of love is love. Have, have you thought, have you, have you taken time to meditate and to consider why is it that out of faith and out of hope and out of love, why is it that love is the greatest? It seems to me that one day our faith, that which we do not see fully today, But one day our faith will be sight. It seems to me that one day our hope will be realized. Those things that we anticipate, those things that we so look forward to in the future, one day those things will be realized. But one day, one day our love will be perfected. Our love will be will be mature and our love will continue to be practiced and shared and experienced into eternity. This kind of love, this agape love that that breaks forth in the New Testament is the love that is the, the foundation of eternity, the foundation of our faith and of our hope. And therefore, It is the greatest. It is excellent. So much so that in John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus describes this kind of love as the distinguishing characteristics of Christ's followers for the world to know that we are Christians. In other words, the way that Christians love each other is the distinguishing characteristic that separates Christians from all other peoples in this world. And of course, the question that we must ask ourselves, is this true? Does the world look at the church and say, wow, those, uh, we don't really understand, but those people have it together. Look at the way they love and they care for each other. Look at the way they nurture each other. Look at the way they sacrifice for each other. This is the distinguishing characteristic that Christ offered his disciples 
upon his departure, upon the eve of his crucifixion. Love each other. Love each other so that the world will know that you are my disciples. Yet does the world look around and say, wow, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that group. Look, look at the way they fight and bicker. Look at the way they gossip about each other. Look at the way they tear each other down. Folks, that is not the church. That is not the body of Christ. So significant is this kind of love that in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, the Scripture tells us that nothing matters without love. Eloquence. Oh, you, you can talk beautifully. You can sing like the angels. But the Scripture says without love, it's just noise. Oh, but, but you can have all knowledge and, and you can have wisdom and you can even prophesy into the future, but without love, it's nothing. And the scripture says, oh, you, you can be a, a faith warrior and you can have all the faith of this world, but if you don't have love, that faith is meaningless. Oh, but what about generosity? Oh, you can be generous and, and you can be gracious and you can, you can give your finances and, and your resources and, and, and you can be on everybody's mailing list and they can call you day after day for contributions because you're so generous and so giving. But the scripture says, without love, that is fruitless. What about sacrifice? Oh, you, you, can, you can sacrifice yourself. You can even die for someone, but the scripture tells us that without love, that too is unprofitable. You see, nothing matters without love. So much so that in that next verse, in the next part of that 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul simply says this to Christians. He says, pursue love. Are you pursuing love today? Is that the passion of your heart? Is to know and to embrace this kind of love. And that you've committed your life to pursuing that. And to practicing that. And to sharing that with those in your life. Okay, hopefully you're, you're interested. So the question has to be, so, so what is love? Now, for a generation, and, and, and I'm part of this generation, and those a little older than I am, many of us learned or saw or read what love was every day in a little comic strip, right, out of the 60s and 70s. New, New Zealand artist Kim Grove began that cartoon series as a series of love notes to her future husband. You remember that cartoon that used to run every day? Her most famous definition of love, love is being able to say, I'm sorry. Sounds like there's some insight there. She goes on to say, and again from her perspective and her worldview, love is when he says you're more beautiful now than the day you met. 
Guys, I snuck that one in there for you to use later on in the day, okay? (laughs) How about love is enjoying the simple things in life together? Love is holding on to what matters most, each other. Love is unconditional. And certainly some of these touch on to this beautiful picture and understanding of what love is as described in Scripture. Again, if you haven't opened your, your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. This powerful, beautiful picture, definition, if you would, of what love is. If, if you'd allow me to start with what love is not first. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love is not selfish. Oh, how many of our love relationships today are are so filled with selfishness? Oh, that we would have the, the eyes to see that that is not true love. Love is not easily angered. And yet, how many of us in our relationships find that anger is the key characteristic. We're always angry at each other. If if that's how you would describe your your love relationships, then let me share with you that that God has a a new word for you today. He has a, a new understanding and experience of love, a love that is not easily angered, a love that does not hold grudges, Too much of of love, selfishness, of of holding grudges, of of being jealous and arrogant is a love that, that clings, is a love that squashes, is a love that smothers. And church, that's not what love is. Love doesn't hold grudges. Love lets go. Love forgives. And yet how many of our marriages, how, how many of our, our parent-child relationships, how many of our friendships today are being hindered because we will not let go of a grudge that we have held, maybe not even for just a week, maybe for 10 years or 20 years or longer. And some of us know the pain of burying someone to whom which we still have a grudge that in this life will never be resolved. Love does not hold grudges and love does not celebrate unrighteousness. And oh, that we would hear this today. Love does not celebrate evil, unrighteousness. Love is not these things. But thank goodness Paul paints a a different picture, a a new picture for us. And Paul begins to describe for us what this kind of love, what this agape love genuinely and truly is. Love is patient. Love waits. 
Love is kind. It's compassionate. It's, it's generous. Love celebrates righteousness. Love celebrates the good in others when we see that. Love celebrates when those around us are willing to take a stand for what is right. Love is suffering. Wait a minute. How can love be suffering? Love is suffering. Love bears all things. And sometimes as we bear all things, that bearing becomes a burden. And that bearing becomes suffering. And that bearing is an experience and an expression of sacrifice. Why? Because love bears all things. Love walks with those who are hurting and suffering. And in some way, love takes that on to enable and to help others find victory. Love is always believing. Love is always hopeful. Love endures. Love is unfailing. Paul has, has, has painted for us a beautiful word picture of what love is and what love is not. And my question for us today as we celebrate romantic love is, is what if we made the commitment to go deeper in our love, in our expression of love for one another? What if we began to follow in His steps and to walk according to this kind of love, this excellent love, this love that never fails, this love that is the greatest of all. This morning, we practice and we share together in what I want to call two powerful and beautiful signs of love. In our next service, we have two young ladies coming to, to be baptized. I would encourage you to come in after your life group and Sunday school hour and, and just be a part of that first part of that service and to celebrate this sign, this picture of love. Baptism is this beautiful picture that God paints of what's going on within our, our hearts and our soul, this, this gift of salvation and transformation as the Spirit of God comes into our lives and, and brings salvation. Oh, that we could have the words to describe that. And because we don't, the Lord gave us this beautiful expression that we call baptism. Standing there in that water, symbolizing and recognizing your lostness, before Christ, your death in sin, and then identifying with Christ in his own death, in, in his, his, his own baptism as you go under the water. It's a real picture. It's, it's a real tomb. It's a sign. You're, you're, you're participating, buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in new life. Symbolizing that, that beautiful cleansing of the Spirit of God, of forgiveness and of grace. And now, as you've been cleansed, empowered to walk a new life. 
a new life where you're no longer under the sin and the, the bondage of death. Baptism, I believe, is, is the sign that allows us to proclaim that his story is now my story. We take place, we'll take part in just a few moments in the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is the chance for the body of Christ to, to gather and to, to proclaim together the death and the suffering of Christ on the cross and to, to proclaim his resurrection and to proclaim that he indeed is coming again. And as, as the, the, the monitor says, baptism is the way that as a community of faith that we proclaim that his story is our story. And so in just a moment, as we begin to prepare to take in the Lord's Supper, Understand that this is a picture, it's a, it's a sign. As you hold his, the bread that symbolizes and represents his, his broken body, as you, you hold that cup which, which represents his shed blood, you participate, recognize that it's your sin, it's your death that he has taken upon himself in the cross. This is the true picture of of love. This is the example that we are to follow in walking in her in his steps. A love that is selfless. A love that is sacrificial. A love that is always looking to redeem and to edify. A love that is only possible to experience and live out through the presence and the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. Church, to walk in his steps is to walk in his love.